Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered Sit Rep, a weekly show where our hosts, Blaine, Matt, and Treg, will go over the Montreal Canadiens' news, notes, and rumors, and provide you an unfiltered take. And welcome to another exciting edition of your favorite English-speaking podcast for the Canadians, Habs Unfiltered. I'm joined today with none other than our French correspondent, Blaine Potvin. Comment ça va tout le monde? What he said. Matt Smith can't make it today because he's working hard for the Air Force, which I find to be an oxymoron. But he's fait robot. Right. He's fait robot. He's fait robot. He's making himself pretty. Ah, I knew Bo was pretty. Yeah, anyway. So, Blaine, how you been? Oh, you know, can't complain. No one will listen. That's true. That's true. Living the dream. Living the dream, as people like to say when people ask them how they're doing. Nightmares Uh, are dreams, too. They are. I I recently just got back from uh, a little anniversary uh, trip with the wife, so I uh, was away the last few days, and I'm back now, and... Ready to get into this hockey stuff. So, saying that, let's get into this hockey stuff. What do you think of the series so far there, Blaine? Oh, well, uh, honestly, um, uh, I don't think the the 3-1 series lead for Philadelphia is indicative of what the series could be. That being, By that, I mean the Canadians aren't that far behind Philadelphia. It's just Philadelphia has kind of trapped them into this, into these games. The Canadians have been pretty close to uh, pulling out wins in those last two shutouts. So games, uh, games three and four, they got shut out. Game three easily could have been a win for the Canadians. Yes, they got outplayed along the boards and in front of the net. The the Flyers dictated the pace of the game. But the Canadians' skill players, namely Kotniemi, Suzuki, they were able to generate scoring chances once in a while that paid off with shots off the post. So Kulak got a post, Gallagher got a post, Kotniemi got a couple of posts. They had five in that game. If just two of those went in, 
the Canadians would have won game three. Now, I know we're playing the what-if game, but that's that's how close playoff hockey is. It's a game of inches. A couple inches one way or the other are the difference between a win and a loss. Game four, the, uh, the Flyers repeated what they did in game three with their game plan, and it worked again. The Canadians were shut out yet again, and this time it was a 2 nothing loss. Uh, the Canadians in both games were completely unable to generate scoring chances in the slot on a regular basis. They got a couple of lucky bounces here and there that generated some chances. Um, in game four, Belzil got wide open in the slot, and when he got the pass on his stick, he he launched it wide and over the net. It went straight at the referee. I don't know if he thought it was Chris Lee in the corner and he was trying to hit him, but instead of going for the open net, it went off to the corner after the referee. So it's little things like that, those little those little plays. That's been the difference in this series so far. So at, we're going to release the show here today, which is Wednesday, and Game 5 is tonight. Um, the Canadians' season could be done, or they come back with a win. Maybe they can generate that kind of um, more wide-open style hockey that they prefer, uh, where they create speed on the transition and they can keep the Flyers on their heels like they did in Game 2 when they won 5 nothing, Or Vigneault outcoaches Muller and traps the series into a 4-1 final. We'll, well that, see what happens tonight. Well, that's that's just it, and I think you hit the nail on the head on the last one there when it comes to Vino and uh, Muller. Uh, after the 5 nothing loss, uh, Vino just switched the game up with his uh, Flyers and played the trap. They can't beat Montreal's speed. That is obvious, and that's what Montreal needed to beat uh, Pittsburgh, and that's what they needed to beat uh, um, Philadelphia, their speed. Um so, what does Philadelphia do to stop the speed? Is they play the trap. We're going back to the 1990s New Jersey Devils hockey. It basically, is what it is, and that's what exactly. It, and that's why the games are so boring. Julian was using the trap on the defensive end of the team, but trying to use speed on the offensive side of the game, which had the game still a little bit open. And uh, even in game one, when you say about the post, Suzuki hit that post in the last minute that could have tied the game and sent it to overtime. I'm not saying Montreal would have won the game. But they could have won the game in overtime if that puck would have went in. So I will argue, and again, it's, it is the what-if game. I agree with you. Games one and three could have easily went to Montreal. Easily. And uh, the big issue, I don't really have an issue with this series. I, don't have, I think Montreal is playing, is showing that when healthy, and we've said it for what, three, two seasons now, this is a bubble team. And by a bubble team, what we mean is when healthy and everything drops into place, this team's a playoff team. When not, this team is a bottom six team. Right? Can you, you can agree with that, Blaine? Oh, absolutely. I, I no mean, depth. And people will sit there and say, well, Pittsburgh had injuries, and look at them. This team had injuries. Yes, teams have had injuries. However, if you're a team that gets injuries, but you have depth players that can step in and pick up for that injured guy left off, you're not going to be all that worse for wear. Montreal doesn't have that. They have a team on paper put together that if they stay healthy the entire season will be a playoff team. If everything goes stays healthy, if everyone plays the way they're supposed to play. If they don't, 
Montreal was 11 uh 11 5 and 2 11 5 and 3 when Drouin got injured in the Washington game, and they probably had one of their best games of the year against Washington, winning that game. Drouin gets hurt, then Byron gets hurt the game after, Gallagher gets hurt a couple games later, and then Montreal just went into a tailspin. Uh, people will say, well, who cares? Drouin got hurt. Like he's, Drouin was their top scorer at that time, and he was playing a fairly good two-way game, something that he's kind of doing here in the playoffs. People are crapping all over... Drew Ann and Domi and that, but I don't think they're playing all that bad. And I will just say this. Montreal is proving in this playoffs that they can stand with the big teams in the league and they can win hockey games and they can compete. Can they contend? No. Why can't they contend? Because they don't have the depth to make a long playoff run, which is what I said before. Uh, and I made a tweet yesterday saying people got to quit complaining about the team losing because they weren't supposed to be here in the first place. This was a 24-ranked uh, team. This team was going to be in the Lafreniere sweepstakes if COVID never happened. And now that they're in, when it first started, everyone said, oh, well, I'm just glad we're here. I don't care if we win or lose as long as we don't get blown out of the water. Yeah, how long did that last? Exactly. They're not getting blown out of the water, people. As a matter of fact, Carey Price and this entire series has only allowed like 11 goals in eight games. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to go back to the Pittsburgh series, how many goals he let. I think he only let... Anyway, it doesn't matter. He's let five goals in in this game, and he's one and three. In the series, and he's one and three. Right? The team's not getting blown out of the water by any means. The team could have easily won games one and three and made this a 3-1... Uh, well, actually, it would have been 3 nothing, 3-1 after last night. Uh, Habs lead instead of a Philly lead. That, to me, is not getting blown out of the water. That, to me, is saying that this team can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the best team coming into the playoffs after the break. Right? Uh, I don't know what more to say. Like, if you're getting upset because the team's losing, you're, you're getting upset. It's Well, it's kind of the same people who said this team shouldn't have been here in the first place because they suck. And now you're getting mad that they're losing. So you already know the team suck. Why are you getting mad that they're losing? Well, and this is this is a, uh, something that we've covered and talked about before, the uh, the value of making the playoffs versus uh, just sitting around waiting for months on end for the draft to happen. So, yeah, the Canadians probably got in because of uh, they want they want a large market in the playoffs like Chicago and Montreal. Yep. But the fact remains that in that playing series, the Canadians stepped up and beat the Pittsburgh Penguins, who were seventh overall in the NHL. Yeah, but and Blaine, one Pittsburgh, of the better teams. Pittsburgh sucked. That's why they beat them. It wasn't that Montreal oh, yeah, beat yeah. them. It was because the other team was terrible. Yeah, it wasn't because Carey Price was playing excellent hockey because he was rested, or that the Canadians' defense was actually playing good hockey, cutting off uh, scoring chances, or that the young centermen in Suzuki and Kotniemi stepped up and played Amazing hockey. No, no, it wasn't that at all. No, it was because it was pure luck. It was. It was no. It was because Pittsburgh sucked. It was. Pittsburgh. Oh yeah, sorry. The Penguins sorry. were that bad that they. I mean, don't get me wrong. Pittsburgh played bad, but why did they play bad? They played bad because, in all honesty, and I'm not a Julian fan. You know that Julian Oak coach Sullivan. End of conversation. There's a reason why the coaching staff in Pittsburgh was not not resigned. 
yeah. except for Mike Sullivan, who's under contract for four more years. Yeah. He out-coached, simply out-coached Sullivan. He changed in a uh, halfway through game two. He changed up his lineups. He got those speed lineups in, and then they, they took hold of the series in, in a conversation. Come Philadelphia. They win the second. Now, Philly, Philly's adjusted their play to match what, can the, what the Canadians are doing. Correct. Now it's up to Muller to try to readjust to try and get the team back in the series. But the fact remains, the Canadians, who by all, all intents and purposes in a regular season would not have been there, no. have proven they belong to this point. That is correct. And they belong to this point after giving up some key assets at the trade deadline that could have even exactly. made the team better. I mean, say what you want about Thompson. He's not going to change the score sheet, but he's going to win the draws in the zone. Not that I think Montreal's doing terrible against Philadelphia in the draws. I mean, no, they're about even. They're the, about even. Game three, it was 51-49 for Philly. So for Philly being a one of the better draw teams in the league, and for Montreal, their first and second line up until yesterday, because I believe Kotniemi was dropped to the third line yesterday. Um, I didn't see the game, so you'd have to correct me on yeah, that. Yeah, he dropped that. down for a little bit, then he got sent back up. So there was a little bit of um, back and forth. But the, uh, with the face-offs, Suzuki has done well. Kotniemi is improving. Uh, Dano has stuck around his 55 56% as always. Mm. And uh, Evans has proven to be pretty good in the face-off dot. So it's about even there. Now, having Thompson would have helped, sure, a uh, veteran fourth liner, but everyone gets caught in the weeds in the fourth line. Oh, yeah. God, the fourth line sucks. No, no. The difference in this series is not the fourth line. No, it's not. The, the difference... difference in this series is that the Canadians lack the skill to break that trap to this point. So this, like, Laurie, uh, you must know Laurie, Laurie Ten Habs on, on Twitter. Uh, I had a you, conversation. No, I... I... She makes some excellent points on Twitter. I like her feed. She does. And yeah. we, we had a discussion, and there's some things we don't agree on, and, and that's perfectly fine, but I, I, I respect everything she says because she's, she's, a smart, she's a smart girl and she knows her hockey. Uh, yeah. She said, I said, basically the Philly trap is what's killing Montreal. And then she asked the question, well, how do you beat it? I said, you have to beat it with speed. You've got to dump it in. You've got to beat the guy. You've got to dump the puck in beat the Philly to the puck, and then you got to win the puck battle and get the puck out to the slot. Problem is, is we don't have the forwards to win that puck battle in the corner. We don't well, have, with the, we with don't the, have the wings. forwards that we do have, though, with the forwards that we have, you can still beat the trap. You may not be able to score, but you can still beat the trap and kind of open up the game a little bit just by bringing your wingers down off the defenders down towards the uh, this face-off dot. But given that gap, you support defensively, but also that quick pass by the uh, the defender or the center who wins the puck battle in the corner to the winger. Now they've got five or six feet where they can actually put on some speed, which will push the defenders back. That'll create that gap between Philly's D and their forwards that the Canadians can kind of play in. And it'll make it easier to actually break into their zone without doing a dump and chase where the Canadians have been left, you know, it basically game four was caught in Yemi trying to do uh, controlled zone entries, and it was just him against four white jerseys. So, <laughs> but you see, that's where it, the coaching comes into it. That's when the coach got to look and say, we're not doing this right. we got to beat this trap. And I'm sorry, but I know there were some people thinking Muller was the second coming of Christ after game two, and I hate to start 
lauding about a player based on one game or one season or whatever, or a player or a coach because it's one game. Uh, the difference between Vino and Muller is that when they lost 5 nothing, Alan Vino came up with a plan and said, well, this is how we're going to win, and it's working. Muller, since Vino changed his game, Muller has not, has not come up with something to counterattack that. And that's... He's, he's made some efforts to switch up lines. He, you can see that the, you know, the players are, are trying slightly different things, especially on the breakout and how they're breaking out. But the, uh, the Flyers' trap is so well-constructed that these, these little chip passes and quick little plays, they get broken up the second they cross the blue line. Look at Raffles' first goal um, in Game 4. That, that little chip pass to get out of the zone got cut off by the defender, uh, and then pass cross ice because the Canadians overloaded the right side and left the left side wide open to two flyer players to come flying in. Uh, Sherratt had to back off. He backed off too far, and Price kind of leaned over too far over to the uh, the short side, giving just enough room for Raffle to fire a shot into the net. And, and it was a perfectly placed shot, but it's one that Price would have wanted back, but it it all started with the breakout. So there was there was a mistake on the breakout. The uh, the Flyers took advantage. There was wide open space on the on the far side. Sherrod backed up too much. You, you see, it's just a little mistake, little mistake, little mistake, little mistake goal. Right. And and that's the difference in this series where the uh, the Canadians haven't been able to take advantage of the little mistakes that the Flyers have made because of their positioning. They've been much better at positioning themselves well to recover from their errors, whereas the Canadians have been kind of cheating a little bit onto the offensive side because they're desperate to get that goal. And quite frankly, they don't have a finisher. Let, let's 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 be honest. They, they don't have a finisher. Suzuki and Kotniemi probably will be finishers. They're just not there right now. Uh, they don't have that finishing winger. Um you can look, to me, I'm looking at the veterans of the team. I'm looking at the Gallagher's, the Tatars, the Druins, the Domies. And, I mean, I know everyone's shitting on Druin and Domi. I don't think they've had a terrible series. Uh, I think Tatars had a terrible series. I think Gallagher's had a terrible series. I mean, Gallagher's playing Gallagher's game. I know he has a sore ankle. I know he's hurt, but he's not He's not putting, He's not not producing. He's just not doing it. He's, and, he, see, the work, the work rate for him hasn't changed. He's just not... I don't, I don't know what it is. Like the, the puck's not bouncing his way sometimes. And, and I think you're right. I think he is playing hurt. Nothing's been confirmed yet, but I do think he's, he's hurt. We saw him kind of wince in pain and come up lame in the first game of the, of these uh, play-ins against Pittsburgh. And he had that. Angle, and he hasn't yeah. seen, yeah, he hasn't seemed right since. So uh, do I agree yeah. with Muller sitting him at the end of the game? Uh, maybe. I don't know. I, I could, yeah, I can see it because he's, he's not doing I mean, you want to, he had no. 20, 22 goals in regular season. He has three assists in this entire playoffs. Drew Ann has a goal and two assists. Domi has three assists. Uh, the only guys who have been consistently play, giving it 110% every game, blah, blah, is Suzuki, Kotniemi, Deneau, and Lekkinen. I'm sorry. And yeah. Deneau and Lekkinen yeah. have, have been doing it on the defensive side pretty much. Like, they've, they've been covering, like, that Byron, Deneau, Lekkinen line has been the best defense shutdown line I've seen in a very long time. Uh, the problem is, is that shutdown line, that's all they're doing is shutting down. There's no offense. They're, they're not generating any offense. 
Well, I mean, Lekkonen's had some opportunities, but oh, he, he just has. hasn't been able to finish. But and that's that's Lekkonen though. That's been Lekkonen for three years now. And yeah. That's not a shot. That's not a uh, uh, a thing against Lekkonen. It's not. Lekkonen is not a twenty twenty five goal scorer. I'm sorry, he's not. Right. And no, he he's had, a fifteen goal, fifteen correct. assist guy. He was going to play excellent deep. Correct. He had 18 goals his rookie year, and everyone assumed this guy was going to be a 20 or 30 goal scorer. And that's how people look at Lekkonen. And that's not how you have to look at him. you got to look at Lekkonen as a good two-way, third-line shutdown forward. And if you look at him that way, then he's one of the better players on the team. Now, um, I know I know, Drouin is taking a lot of heat because it's Drouin, and that's what Montreal fans do. Yeah. And I know people have said, well, he's healthy, he's come back now. But you got to keep in mind, the uh, the ankle injury that he suffered, that takes time to recover, even if you're, quote-unquote, 100%. Uh, look, at, uh, look at the injury that Weber sustained. He had that, he had an ankle injury. It took him time, it took him almost a full season to come back to truly being what he was before. And I think that's what we're seeing from Drouin right now, because... The difference in Drouin's game at the start of the, of the season to what we see right now, before he was injured the first time, when, when he was playing, it was quick steps. He had excellent speed. He had excellent mobility. And right now, we're seeing that <clears throat> his speed isn't quite there, his first step isn't quite there, and that, that quickness and mobility isn't quite there. And that's that's all in the ankles. Well, I'm I mean, going to play devil's advocate on Drouin. Uh, but this year before, he disappeared in the second half of the year as well, and he wasn't. That's injured. true. And he wasn't. Injured. No, no, absolutely. So I mean, absolutely. I, I can see some of the angst against Druin from the fans because we expected this third overall pick that we traded one of our top prospects for. Uh, a lot, a big reason why he got traded, came to the team, was because he was French. Let's let's not yeah. sugarcoat this. Uh, and we knew before coming in he was a bit of a troublemaker, a bit of a, you know, had a little bit of an attitude, and supposedly the management was, we are changing the attitude of the team, right? Uh, so Druin in that trade didn't fit the mold of what Bergevin was trying to do with the club, except for the simple fact that he was a French forward with lots of high potential. Uh, now what and what we're seeing now is <clears throat> he's probably going to end, top out as a fifty to sixty point guy on the wings, playing between the second and third line, which is fine for a second or third now, line guy. Yeah, and, and now what we're seeing is people are demanding that he get shipped out, and then at the same time they're demanding that Domi gets shipped out and Tatar gets shipped out. Well, sorry folks, you're not going to trade away three wingers. Because you want you want them to become these magical superstars, you still need to keep some of these guys. Maybe one's going to be gone, uh, probably a Tatar or Domi if he decides he doesn't want to play wing and you know, wants to stay a center. But you're not going to trade away all three. Well, I again I was on a little Twitter discussion today, as you know me. I'm you I, the I am, villain. I am the villain who has Twitter discussions, and this guy was saying that Montreal has no uh, top six wingers. Absolutely none. We that's need, not true. We need at least two more top six wingers because we don't have any. And I was like, well, that's not really true. I truly believe Domi, Drouin, Gallagher, and Tatar are all top six wingers. I, I truly believe that. Uh, yeah. But, you know. Yeah, you can make an argument for that. Uh, 
I think we need one top six winger. I think not only do we need a top six winger, we need a finisher. We need a winger that's uh, an Ovechkin. We need we almost like we need Caulfield to be Caulfield, but need him to be Caulfield right now. Does that make sense? Does that whole statement? Yeah, there the Canadians sense? need a shooter. They need they a, shooter. a shooter. They need a guy who can put that puck wherever the hell he wants to, right? And they don't have that. That's what they don't have. Gallagher is a garbage goal scorer. He's he's a he's a Michael Ryder uh, type guy who shoots from anywhere and picks up the garbage goals from the front of the net. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But Gallagher's not a precision shot goal scorer. He's not a shooter, right? He's not a sniper. No, it, let's let's say he's not a sniper. Tatar, same type of guy. He's not a sniper, but he's a guy that finds a way to get the goals, right? Druen, uh, Druen should be a sniper. Druen should be a goal a scorer, but he's more a playmaker. Same with Domi. Domi's more of a playmaker. We don't have that winger who you can sit there and say, we got to get the puck to him because he's going to put it in. Right. You know, it's it's kind of it's kind of funny. We we've had these discussions about uh, Bergevin's tenure. <clears throat> pardon me, Bergevin's tenure uh, before uh, the 2017 collapse and since the 2017 collapse and before the 2017 collapse. The big discussion was, oh my God, why can't we find a center for Pacioretty? Now, <laughs> the discussion. Why is, can't he find a winger? <laughs> why can't we find a winger for these centermen? But but here, had, oh go ahead. Right. Here, but had had Pacioretty been on the team now, he still he's would, a sniper. But he doesn't score in the playoffs. It would be the same thing. <laughs> but that's that's the thing, right? Like you, you want a sniper. You had one. You had to get rid of him. Now you have centerman, but you don't have a sniper. Well, I mean, so. here here's the funny thing. Because, again, I was in a discussion with people about Mark Bergevin and how no. his, his eight years have been terrible. You. No. I, and I said to him, like, listen, I mean, you know my stance on Bergevin. I don't think he's a great GM. I don't think he's a terrible GM. If he got fired tomorrow, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it, right? If he doesn't get fired tomorrow, I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. My, here's my argument. The first five years of Bergman's tenure were terrible. He had a core team that he got in 2012, and he never built around it. He didn't build anything around it. He didn't add to it. He didn't do anything, right? I mean, am I wrong, Blaine? Correct me if I'm wrong. On what? He didn't add the pieces he needed to the core that he had when he first took over the team in those first five oh, seasons. Oh, sweet Jesus, no. He didn't do anything. Uh, he, he had Carey Price carried the team, and he went with it. Okay. Well, he I wouldn't say he didn't do anything. Well, no. But, but he, he didn't get enough. I mean, did, let's be honest. He didn't fill the holes that needed to be hold, filled to make that core better. 1,000% true. And part of the reason why is he... One, one, he didn't evaluate it properly. And two, what the hell assets did he have to land that big star player he that he needed anything. to finish them off? He came exactly. In, he came in in 2012 and said, I need to build through the draft because I'm never going to get that number one center from anyone, right? It's not easy to make trades. And people laughed at that, but it was true because he had nothing to trade with. If he was going to get his number one center, he would have had to give up one of his, like a, a Subban, a Pacioretty, and someone else plus. Not just one for one, but plus. And he didn't yeah. have that. He didn't have the... And they were winning. So they didn't have a very good draft pick. They were drafting 20s and above, right? And and, and that, that failure on his part is the reason why I thought he should have been fired In after the 2017 Correct. Class. And I agree but with he you. Wasn't. 110%. But he wasn't. And he wasn't. However... So, so now, 
we're seeing what he had planned at the start. He's finally friggin' doing what he th- he said he was going to do. Correct. And, and people are still pissed off. I'm sorry, but as much as we don't like what he did before, this really is in ownership's mind a complete reset. Like you forget everything that happened before. It's brand new. Here we are. <laughs> you you better deal with it because this guy's not going anywhere. And this is the plan. So it comes down to where we're at right now because of the, the playoffs that the Canadians are in and they are in these playoffs and they, they deserve it because they won their play in what they have to do now is find a way to find value with that 16th pick, make a couple of extra moves because they, because of them making the playoffs, they don't get that top nine pick. But, but here's, here's what I'm going to say about Bergevin and, then I, I guess we can drop it until the off season just to see what he does. You sit, everyone's the people who hate Bergevin, and some of them we know why they hate him, and we're not going to get into that. Others just hate him because they don't think he's a good GM, and that's fair, right? Sure. Here's what I'm going to say. In eight years, they made the playoffs five times. I don't care if you count this season or not, they made the playoffs. According to the NHL, they are a playoff team. Okay? Five of eight years, they made the playoffs. Only three of those five of a, of those uh, eight years did he have below ninety points for his, for a team. His teams won three division titles. They went to an Eastern Conference Final Championship, and they've now won five playoff series, which is more than any other GM since Serge Savard, more than any other Canadian team uh, in the pa- in his tenure. More than the Leafs? Yes. So that's impossible. So these are fact. These are undisputable facts. Like him or ha- love him or hate him, doesn't matter. These are the facts. So to sit there and say his entire tenure has been terrible is just biased uh, opinion, really. Uh, me, first five years, I would have been okay with him being fired after the 2017 season because to me, he didn't fill the holes he needed filled. He got rid of two assets, and neither one of them filled. In those trades, he didn't fill any hole that he needed to fill. Neither one of them, the Weber and the Druin trade. Now, do you do you believe in the hockey gods? I do. So, with that in mind, the ninety-six point season they had last season before, like before this one, where they just missed the playoffs, even though they were higher in the standings overall than teams that made it but had less points, they they missed. They missed out on the playoffs, and, and everyone was disappointed by that, saying, "Oh my God, this kind of sucks." You know, ninety-six points and not in. This year, I think the hockey gods reared their face and said, here you go. Here's that playoff that you were supposed to have. Even though you're not supposed to have it. <laughs> even though you're not supposed to have it. So it evened out. Correct. So the Canadians had had they you can you can say that this year was their better season in the in the uh in the build up. So the first year they were really bad, the second year they were better, the third year they made the playoffs. So you can still, and I know ownership and management's going to say it this way. Expect it at the year-end presser when we when we have them say, "Mark my words, they're going to do this." <laughs> so they miss they missed the play. They were terrible the first year. They just missed the playoffs the second year. This year they made the playoffs and gave valuable uh, experience to their young players, and then they're going to make a couple of small moves and maybe even a UFA signing. And next year they're going to say, well, playoffs are the goal. 
people are going to get pissed off about it, but they're not going to say, hey, we're out to win the cup. Because then if they don't win the cup, then they're going to get pissed off at that. Here's where I think this whole uh, rebuild, reset thing is happening. I truly believe Bergevin wanted to do a wholesale start from the beginning. Let's go bottom of the barrel, reset, rebuild. I truly believe he wanted to. I think he's been wanting to do that for years. I don't think Molson really wants to do that. Now, this is just me talking because I am not in the rooms. I am not a fly in the wall. Um, Bergevin said from day one, I want to build for the draft. Since 2017, and this is going back to my, I think Bergevin's a better GM in the past three years than he was in his first five years. I think he's doing everything right to make this team into a long-term contender, and I think that's what his goal is. I personally don't think Bergevin's worried about making playoffs every year. I think he's worried about what his team's going to look like two to three years down the road. Now, now that Kotkinami and Suzuki have showed that they can be the number one and number two centers, right? Now that the centers are starting to line up exactly where they should be, Suzuki, Kotkinami, Dano, or Kotkinami, Suzuki, whatever way you want to flip those two, right? Now that the defense is starting to become a fairly good defense with Sherratt, Weber, Kulak, uh, Petrie, and Romanov, and whoever else you want to bring in if you bring somebody in, now I think it's time for Bergeron to really show us how good of a GM he is by starting to surround these guys with veteran experience and finishers and fill the holes, the winger, which like you alluded to earlier, now we're crying that we need wingers because we have our centers, uh, to guys that can guide these young guys and make a contending, productive team. This is what he has to start doing. Yeah, I agree. And and on that, we are noticing... uh, with the Canadians, uh, their size is still a factor. I mean, the yep. Flyers, they're a big, fast, strong team that dominate dominate in the corners and and along the boards. So to be able to compete against teams like that, because the Canadians are going to have to face off against the Bruins, the Flyers, uh, the Rangers have some of that, and the Rangers are going to be an up-and-coming team. Um, this offseason is going to have a special significance for – Bergevin to be able to address some of that. So Paling hasn't even entered into the conversation for the series yet. He's a big kid. So do they see him as a center or are they planning on shifting him to the wing and giving him an offseason to train for that? If they don't see him as a winger, where is he going to play at center in the next few years? I, I can't see it. So use him as trade bait or as a winger. Uh, you, you, you mentioned a shooter. The Canadians definitely need a shooter. Uh, Caulfield is not going to be ready next year. Uh, the uh, the NCAA is probably not going to play. I so think they've either already said he... they're not playing. I think that's well, uh, I know, they haven't I know said... football's not playing. Yeah, they haven't said anything about hockey, but if football's not playing, come on. Yeah. Let's be honest. They're probably looking at hockey too. So he's either going to go to uh, the OHL, which is looking at a December 1st start time, or they sign him and he well, he'll, he'll sign and go to the OHL or they'll sign him and bring him to Laval, which is the AHL is looking at a December 1st start as well. Yeah. So, but he's not going to be on an NHL roster. So you need, you need a shooter. So yeah, maybe you trade away one of your wingers on the left side. 
Uh, if Domi's that guy that he, he refuses to move to go to the wing, then sure, you trade him for a defenseman because you still need someone on that left side to See, help just, out. I'm not really sure you do, but I I think that the defense the I think we could leave the defense alone personally. I think we should concentrate well, on the winners. That's just my personal opinion. But defensively, the defense is strong, but they still need they still need that offensive side, especially on the power play. Somebody who can help out on the power play. I know they've been using forwards back there, but a guy with a with a vision, a I guy think, who can play. I think if you get you that know? sniping winger, if you get that finishing winger you can get away with the power play the way it is. Because now you... Maybe. With, with Weber and that sniping winger there, now that... Because, I mean, with just Weber there, everyone's like, all right, well, Weber's going to shoot. But if you get that... Well, yeah. It, if you get that sniping winger, then they're they're going to be like, all right, well, now we got two guys we got to be wary of. And it, I, I'm just... I, I see what you're saying about the, the defense. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm... Yeah. I just don't think... I think the priority right now is the wingers. Uh, and... Um, and but Domi, if you move him for a defenseman, great. It also, if he's not going to be a winger and you need a winger, trade him for a winger. Yeah. A good winger. You a can... top six winger, not a plug winger. Exactly. He's a top, you can you can bill him as a top six center, trade him off to someone who needs a center who has an abundance of wingers. Like Winnipeg, perhaps, would be a good, a good fit for that kind of idea. That's just spitballing, but... You got you got guys on uh, a guy who, who plays at center. You don't want at center anymore, and refuses to go to the wing. Well, then you move him to someone who's going to let him play center, and it'll give you a winger uh, of equivalent value. Yeah. I mean, you get a lot of guys it, hard it against the cap as well. You got Toronto, you got Tampa Bay, right. you got Arizona, you got. That's uh, right. um, so so you've got those two little moves: uh, Paling, Domi. I mean, you can you can move Drouin if you want. If if it's to get a different kind of winger, a bit. Uh, uh, more of a power forward style winger, great. You get a younger guy with uh, that's had some issues, or you go out and you sign a guy. Uh, for instance, Mike Hoffman is going to be a UFA this yep. off season. Taylor Hall, the if four... you're really looking at Taylor Hall, I'm not Taylor sure. Hall. But if you're looking at saving some money under the cap so you can keep your your own guys, I think Hoffman's your better bet because, as we mentioned before, a shooter. So Hoffman's a shooter. He he's. He's uh, excellent on the power play. He has a great shot. You're not going to get great defense out of him, but we're not looking for a two-way guy. We're looking for a sniper. And, well, and we're looking for goal. a sniper, but Julian and everyone else is, you know. That's right. But for the sake of this conversation, yep. so Hoffman would be a good fit. Hall would be amazing, but I think the cost to sign Hall would be too high. Would be much higher. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, to be honest, I in, mean, in both term and, and AAV. I mean, uh, Montreal is going to have the cap space, but you also you also got to think they need a backup goalie. Uh, this series, this action. playoffs is is proving that they need not just a backup goalie, but a capable backup goalie, like one, uh, like a if you're looking at kind of cheaper, that's not going to like a Kaboden or a. Uh, I mean, I've mentioned Anderson before, but. He may cost you a bit because it'll be probably his last contract. But uh, you know, someone who can, he knows his role. Montreal needs a one A one B goalie system. It's, it's what they need, and then ride with Price into the playoffs. And uh, so they need like a Kabodin or a Thomas Grice. I mean, Price and Grice would be kind of cool. Uh, yeah. You yeah. know, they need uh, someone. Anderson. Anderson. Uh, Robin Leonard will probably cost you too much, and plus, I think he wants to be a starter. 
Um, you know, uh, Brandon Hopi, uh, Brayden Hopi, I, I wouldn't even look at him because now you're going to have like $20 million on two goalies. Um, you can trade for one. You can uh, trade for one. St. Louis is hard up against the cap. Maybe they want to give up Allen. Jake Allen would be great. a good one. Yeah. He's looked great in these playoffs. Yeah. You can you can move a few assets that could help the Blues and yourself by, you know, you're offloading a couple of contracts, making space for younger guys. So you move a Mete or you move, you know you know what I mean? Like uh, you make these, these little moves, you help them out, they help you out, everything's fine. I, it's going to be, uh, to me, this is the make or break off season for Bergevin. Um, and yes. it's, it's really going to tell you what he really, where he really thinks this team is, uh, because he's made the quote: "You have the guys that get you to the playoffs, and then guys that get you through the playoffs." Well, right now we have no one to get us through the playoffs. Um, the regular season is a total different game than the than the playoffs. In the regular season, you can get away with a small, speedy team, and you can win. You know, you can win the division, you can win whatever. But if you don't have the guys, the big, strong guys in the playoffs, to you know, win those puck battles in the corners and stuff because it's a total different game in the playoffs. You can't compare regular season with playoffs. Two different games. And that's why I'm saying we have to focus on getting some some wingers with size, maybe even a power forward, like a quality power forward. And and when we say say size, we mean a size that can score, that can be offensively, not like your Martinsons and your Ots and your Kings. Like... Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> we need you need size, like you need a, a, well, I mean Taylor Hall. You need a Mike Hoffman. You need a, you know, con, you know, not Connor McDavid, but someone of that size with. Well, yeah, Connor McDavid would be nice. He'd be nice, but I mean, even if Bergevin traded for McDavid, someone would bitch about it. So too uh, much cap. But back to the and and that's yeah, he's going to be pretty busy this off season. But the Canadians aren't quite done yet. This playoff series. They can't extend it. You never know. They might even be able to drag it to seven games. I, but ev- everything rests on what Muller does tonight. I am not again. I don't think Montreal. Listen, I wasn't. I, I didn't want them to win any series. I wanted the ninth pick. You, you know that. Everyone knows that. I wasn't a secret about it. Am I glad they're winning? Yes. Can I see the experience that Kotniemi and Suzuki are getting? Am I liking it? Yes. I see the value in them going forward. But what bothers me is is the people who are like, oh, it's the experience that counts. It doesn't matter what we do, are the same people that are now complaining that we're losing. And my whole point is you should never, ever even be worried about the fact that they're losing any series. They're not getting blown out of the water. They're, they're in every game. E- every game has gone either way. Uh, they beat Pittsburgh. They show that they can go up against anyone they want and still be successful or at least in the game and we should just be happy with the experience that everyone's getting and whether they move on to the next round or don't who cares because they weren't supposed to be here anyway they weren't supposed to be that's true we're going to get the 16th overall pick and in this draft that's not going to be a bad pick I don't care what anyone says it's not going to be a bad pick is it going to be as good as the 9th pick debatable who, it depends on who's available. Uh, personally, I don't think it's going to be as good, but it's definitely going to be a good pick because this is a very, very, very... This has been probably one of the deepest drafts in years. And, Especially uh, for wingers who can score, yeah. which 
I think we mentioned that maybe that's important to the Canadians. Yeah, it's a little bit. I mean, is that guy going to be ready maybe. next year? Is that 16 picks? Gonna... I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Depends on who they. The ninth pick. pick was probably the ninth pick was probably not going to be ready for two years anyway. Correct. So even picking if so, I was with you. I wanted the Canadians to have that top ten pick, but I can see the the value between a ninth and a sixteenth pick. That loss of value um, is offset by the fact that Suzuki and Kotniemi have had that developmental time. So we've always wanted. Uh, top six centermen. This playoff has given two. these two players the exact experience they need to find that next level in their game. Especially Kotkinemi. Yes. Kotkinemi is a Who, to- totally different... the team in scoring. He's a totally different player. He's turned he into was. a power center. Yeah, and not only throwing hits, he's winning board battles. He's using his size, I think we mentioned something about size earlier, yes. uh, to benefit his game. Does he have more to learn? Of course, absolutely, right? He's 18 years old. But, but that experience yeah. that these two are getting, uh, I think it outstrips the value of those seven positions that the Canadian, that the uh, seven, yeah, yeah, seven positions that were lost in the draft. And and that 16th pick is not going to be, a, unless they really, you know, pooch it or whatever, that's not going to be a bad pick. Well, I mean, just keep in mind the 2019 draft, when everyone's bemoaning the 15th overall pick, oh my God, I can't believe we got 15th overall, this sucks, and then couldn't stop drooling over Caulfield. Well, Philadelphia fans are still wondering what happened there. So, Well, I mean, the, the, <laughs> the, the Cam York may end up being a really good hockey player, so let's not he, he crap could. on him too much. He could, yeah. but at the time, if you watch the little bar in Philadelphia that was like, Chant Caulfield, <laughs> yeah. and they said Cam York. All of them were like, "What in the hell just happened?" It was like the what lady in Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but uh, I mean, and no, and the only issue I have with Caulfield, and we're really flying all over the place in this show, but uh, the real issue is his size. I think his size is, and that just goes to show you that we need bigger guys to surround him, because Caulfield's going to fit in alongside Kotkaniemi or Suzuki, and Suzuki's not very big. Uh, no, but he's strong. He's, he's still strong. like Crosby. Yeah, and if you if you put Gallagher on the other side of him, the veteran guy, he's not very big. Um, so we don't want a Smurf line like the Koivu Petrov Bure line. Um, even though that line was kind of successful, I don't care what anyone says. Um, but the problem is, is that that line will be probably quite successful in the regular season. But how are they going to be in the playoffs? That, that's the issue I have with our size. It's not so much the regular season I'm worried about. It's the playoffs. So uh, Yeah, that's going to be our concern. And we're going to watch the game tonight, hoping to God there's one more game to watch or more on Friday. So I think we'll, we'll end the show there. Yep. Uh, we covered quite a bit. Yeah, we were kind uh, of all over the it, place. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's more of an ADHD kind of, <laughs> kind of episode. Um, and I want to give a shout out to our sponsor, No Name Hockey. Uh, they're sending me those custom gloves that they had made for me, and they look frigging amazing. So thank you for those. And a shout out to Hockey Helps the Homeless. So a couple episodes back, we had Ryan Bailey on the show uh, to talk to us about Hockey Helps the Homeless. And off air, we chit chatted a little bit about the uh, 
the new Seattle Kraken jerseys that were coming in. And they sent me the very first off the, the press Seattle Kraken styled hockey helps a homeless Jersey. So I want to thank them for that. Uh, I have donated the value of that Jersey back to hockey helps the homeless. And I encourage everybody listening to go to my Twitter feed. Uh, you'll see, I've uh, posted a link how to donate to these to uh, hockey helps the homeless. If, if you feel like, helping them end veterans homelessness, click the link, donate as much as you can to help them out. Uh, just to say thank you for all the work they've done and, and to give them the assets they need to continue their work. So uh, shout outs to, to Hockey Helps the Homeless and Vets Canada who are on the, have boots on the ground helping the veterans. So uh, thank you to all of them and thank you to everyone listening to us today. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks for listening. Uh... We'll put this out as quick as possible. It'll be out today. The game will be tonight. It's Wednesday. Uh, hopefully, it'll be a Habs win. And uh, next show, we'll have the beautiful uh, Matt Smith back with us uh, for our Saturday show or our weekend show. And uh, hopefully, we'll have more Habs hockey to talk about on the weekend. So, thanks for listening. Blaine, thanks for joining me. And good luck to the Habs tonight. And talk to you all later. Are you looking away to become into the year 2000 and you're still stuck down there like in the 70s? And every time you go to shave, you're nicking and hurting yourself down there? Well, if you want your balls to look like Vinny's silky smooth face, then you need to get the Habilison Gibby Shaver so that you can have this nice little chin strap going on, chin strap beer going on on your underneath just like Vinny. And who doesn't want to walk out of the shower every day and see Vinny's face? Man, everyone wants to see an Italian. Of course they do. And you want to feel Italian. So get the Gibby, Gibby Shaver and j- look just like Vinny's face. Support for Habs Unfiltered is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Big news! Manscaped just launched in Canada. For those listeners in Canada, you can be one of the first Canadians to experience their life-changing products. Myself, Treg, and Matt have all had trimming accidents. It happens. Every man has. There's nothing to be ashamed of. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and have their new and improved Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. The water resistant technology allows you to groom in the shower. One of the coolest features is the LED light which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk yours. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code UNFILTERED20 at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you.
Are you in the market for quality sticks and equipment you can afford? There is a no-frills, no-nonsense company that wants to provide that to you. No Name Hockey. No Name Hockey is a small Canadian company started by former pro player Jason Goulet. When he retired, he searched for sticks that felt like when he was a pro but could never find the right one or one that was reasonably priced. So he decided to start No Name Hockey. Now No Name offers high-quality, customized sticks at a fair price. They won't try to wow you with a fancy name. They will focus on providing you a pro-stock quality stick that you can afford. The cost of sticks has gone through the roof due to sponsorships and licensing fees. No Name Hockey makes sticks for the no-names and players currently making a name. And that concludes another episode of Habs Unfiltered. We would like to thank all our listeners, old and new, for joining us. We hope you were informed and entertained. And always remember, if you are talking about it, so are we. and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jag and Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.